Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, be that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, but of course, live exclusively on twitch.tv slash Says. It is Friday, April 29th of 2022. And yeah, I didn't do a show this week. Why? I was doing adult things on the side. Those adult things are very difficult. Full disclosure, I'm looking at getting into a condo. That is a process. Quite the long process. You got to do inspections. You got to run all over town getting titles. I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing, but I think I'm close to the end. But who actually knows? And between that and trying to figure out where the hell all of the mail that I'm supposed to be receiving is actually going, because the U.S. Postal Service worker who comes to our apartment complex lost the key to the mailbox I haven't been able to get mail for about two weeks. So I've been trying to get some of it because I have a couple of important things that were supposed to come in the mail. Adulting is hard. I want an assistant. But we got a lot to talk about on today's show. The NFL draft, of course. It is about to get into round number two later on tonight. Starts in uh, it's 3.05 right now in about three hours or so. And it's going to be hard to beat what it was last night in a quarterback list draft class where only one quarterback was taken. We saw all sorts of shit happen. Nine first round picks were, uh, excuse me, nine first round trades in addition to 32 first round picks. And one of them uh, still boggles my mind. The Tennessee Titans have become a bit of a punching bag for me over my time now in Houston. But even when I was in Seattle, I would take shots whenever I could. But they made the biggest news in last night's draft because they decided to trade A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. They get the Eagles' 18th pick, and with the 18th pick, they drafted a wide receiver out of Arkansas. Philly would go on to sign him to a four-year, $100 million contract with $57 million of it guaranteed. They also get a third round pick. And then a little bit later on in the draft with pick number 26, they traded back. They have stockpiled a bunch of draft picks. And it has me wondering why in the NFL, a league with all sorts of parity, a league with a salary cap, why aren't the Titans paying for a proven wide receiver that they found in the second round, especially when Ryan Tannehill who is not a good quarterback, needs all the help that he can get. What the hell's happening there? Stone GM 206 comments, yeah, the Eagles win that deal. Easily. That's not that much to give up. And look, the Philadelphia Eagles have a little benefit going on right now. You've got Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract. But to the Tennessee side of things, they're operating like a cheapskate organization. And look, I dump on Titans fans a lot, but I feel bad for Titans fans from this perspective. You're 13 and four last year. You lose in the second round of the playoffs after getting a bye week because your quarterback, Ryan Danahill, who is average to above average, sometimes good on a great day at the office, threw three interceptions in that game. So that guy needs all the fucking help that he can get going into next season. You're going to trade 
a receiver you found stumbled into, to be honest, in the second round and assumed that a guy from Arkansas who definitely has big play potential is just going to be able to replace him. And then you keep trading back. You are 13-4 and four despite a myriad of injuries. You are a couple of pieces away from finishing the job, no? And instead, you are essentially taking a step back. It's taking a step back to take a step forward going to work. If you take a look back at Titans history, they once traded that early pick that they had. What did they get out of it? Corey Davis. Um, who was that cornerback? That uh, Adoree Jackson. Didn't do anything. So I just wonder, what the fuck are they doing? And then I figured it out. Because, you know, you heard from Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel said, we're not trading. No way we're trading A.J. Brown. That's not happening. All these coaches lie. We've kind of learned that the hard way for all my Seattle followers with Pete Carroll talking about Russell Wilson. But what the fuck's going on here? Why did Tennessee move on? But I put it together. So, this is just a cheap team. And I I think you can definitively say that because this is a team that has, in the past, forced its way out of town to get public funding for a stadium. Remember the Astrodome? Again, it was a dump at the point that it left. And Houston does deserve some share of the blame in terms of maybe not meeting halfway, but some of these organizations, they basically just try to fuck these cities over. So you can understand why Houston would say, nah, fuck off Oilers. And the Oilers are like, all right, we're going to leave. But Adams decided to dip. But right now, imagine being a Titans fan. You just saw AJ Brown getting massive extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Titans also want you to pay for a brand new five, uh, $500 million towards a brand new stadium publicly financed. That's a bullshit. So I'd be pissed off. That was the biggest story I think that happened in yesterday's NFL draft. It wasn't who went first. I was surprised to an extent by Trevon Walker going first, and I do wonder how well he will do. When you have five players on your defense taken in the first round, you got to wonder which of those guys was brought up the most by the level of talent that he was playing with. So Trevon Walker definitely is interesting to me. And then we have the Houston Texans and what they did. I predicted that the Texans would draft a cornerback with one of their first two picks. They took Derek Stingley Jr. When you listen to the way that Lovey Smith talked about the position this offseason, talking about how he wants to have a cornerback who has ball skills, at least in 2019, Stingley had those. A guy who is tall. Stingley's pretty tall, six foot plus. A guy who is fast, ran a 4.37 at his uh, pro day checks a lot of boxes. Maybe not the best tackler. And Lovey Smith did clarify he wants guys that are willing to tackle. But Stingley is a damn talented quarter. And if he has drawn comparisons to Stephon Gilmore, a guy who as a cornerback won defensive player of the year, which is not easy to do, I think he should give Nick Casario a little bit of benefit of the doubt when it comes to taking a corner third overall. I think a lot of people, you see a cornerback taken that early and you think to yourself, wait a second, that's not a defensive lineman. That's not an offensive lineman. What the fuck are they doing? If you're not going quarterback top five, you got to go after someone who is going to win the game for you in the trenches. But I feel like a cornerback can do just as much as some pass rushers. And 
as an example, take a look at the New England Patriots of late. I know you don't want to hear about the Patriots, especially seeing as the Texans trying to emulate the Patriots led to the entirety of the Bill O'Brien era. But with the Texans now having a guy like, Daryl Stingley. They're trying to emulate what New England had when they won the Super Bowl the 2014-15 season with Darrell Rivas as their best corner. When they won the Super Bowl the 2018-2019 season with Stephon Gilmore as their best cornerback. When you have a shutdown corner like that, I think it can provide just as much of a difference. And I know a lot of people will point at the Los Angeles Rams and the pass rush power they have. But what did Aaron Donald do alone? Aaron Donald had Von Miller. Aaron Donald had help from uh, Leonard Floyd. Aaron Donald had a lot of help during that playoff run. It's waves of pass rushers, but it's individual cornerbacks who I think can make a tremendous difference on a defense. And we'll see what Stingley's able to do. I think there are some very fair questions about him. I mean, is boredom a legitimate reason to explain the drop-off in play that he had during the last couple of seasons that he had at LSU? The fact that, yeah, he played at the highest level in 2019, both in practice and in games, six interceptions, and then all of a sudden LSU starts to crumble a little bit, and he's maybe not working as hard. He is banged up, too. You might look at that and say, nah, I can't draft him, and and I wouldn't entirely dump on you for that. I, I feel like there's fair logic behind that. I think the real question, though, is now what is Stingley going to be when he is in the center of a team that struggles and the Texans will struggle this coming season. And he's expected to be a leader. You're picked that early by default. You are elevated into a higher spot in the locker room. And it's up to you whether or not you choose to take on the mantle of being a leader. If in the past, you might remember that the Houston Texans drafted both Jadevian Clowney and Mario Williams. Did either of those guys ever turn into foundational locker room voices? No, they didn't. They didn't necessarily need to when you had J.J. Watt and Jonathan Joseph, at least for the latter. I would say in the case of the Mario Williams era, you had Andre Johnson at the very least as the major voice leader in that locker room. But someone like Stingley on a team like this, where it is Davis Mills hoping he can be the long-term starter, you, I think, have to find a way to grow up and grow up quickly. I'm sure that Nick Casario and Lovey Smith talked to him about that, but that is not something that happens overnight. You grow into a role like that, especially if you haven't taken it on before. Stone Jam 206 says the Texans also got a tackle. Well, they actually got a guard slash tackle. And I think for those who follow the Seattle Seahawks, you might remember that the Tom Cable era featured a lot of offensive linemen and project offensive linemen being moved around from position to position my uh, basically mindlessly just flailing around in the dark, hoping that you would stumble into a great player as opposed to investing high-end draft capital in an offensive lineman. More on that in a little bit when it comes to the uh, Seattle Seahawks on that side of things. But the Texans couldn't run worth a shit last year. And that's why I really like the pick of Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, a guy who has played in all 35 games that he was able to play in in college, started in all of them, I believe, too, and has played every single position on the offensive line, both guards, both tackle spots. I hope that the Texans keep him to one spot, but considering Houston had the fewest 
yards per rush in franchise history last year. 3.4 yards to carry, dead last in the NFL. You need to have some guys in the middle who are just mean motherfuckers. We're going to mow people down, blast them, punch them, smash them, and crush them into the dirt. And Green, if you've watched the tape, actually shows that ability, especially at um, the second level. So I'm not going to act like I know a whole lot about the offensive lineman, and I'll be honest too, when it comes to draft coverage, the reason I don't really like this week that much is because I would rather just react to the actual picks being made and then eventually see how those guys play. There are so many conjectures and theories and 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 um, hot takes about what a guy is going to do based off of a couple of people watching these guys playing college football. And there's a reason that even the scouts don't get it right very often. Uh, to me, to try and... Pretend as if I know definitively whether or not one guy is good or bad. I'm just not going to do that. It would be disingenuous. So that's why I hate this week. It's one of those weeks where I just feel like I don't really have anything to offer other than I will watch a couple of specific players and I'll tell you whether or not I like them. But yeah, I, I, I can't tell you much more about Kenyon Green other than as far as what I read about him and as far as watching a couple of clips of him play, this is a guy who I think could help out the Texans in the running game. The Seahawks actually made a move on the offensive line, too, and I think that is delicious. It's very funny because, look, the Seattle Seahawks, it's been a while since they went after an offensive lineman early. I mean, they just traditionally don't do that. They have, outside of the Dwayne Brown trade that they made in 2022 and maybe the Gabe Jackson trade, this is not a team that traditionally thinks it needs to invest heavily on the offensive line and go all the way back in time. The last time that they drafted an offensive lineman in the first round was Jermaine Effetti back in 2016. That didn't really work out, did it? Go further back, Justin Britt in 2014 as a tackle ultimately ends up being a center. Now he's with the Houston Texans, interestingly enough. James Carpenter, the Seahawks took 25th overall back in 2011. The last time that they really nailed a pick was Russell Okung in 2010 on the offensive line. So picking in the top 10, the Seattle Seahawks, they decided to select Mississippi State tackle Charles Cross. I don't know a fucking thing about Charles Cross. I know that Ray Roberts, who studies offensive linemen, used to play on the offensive line, was a first-round draft pick on the offensive line. If I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think that Cross was his favorite tackle available to the Seahawks. But the conversation isn't about whether or not the guy works out because there's a lot of people who are like, finally, the Seahawks took an offensive lineman. I really hope, and I know this is going to make me sound like an asshole, I really hope that they drafted an offensive lineman now entirely to spite Russell Wilson. Yep, I am team petty like that. Cold Take Jim says, Seattle doesn't have Russ around anymore to bail out the offensive line. Well, hold on a second. Let's take a look at Russell Wilson's history. Because I think some of you guys who maybe aren't watching Russell Wilson on an every game basis, I think you might be missing something. So Russell Wilson, over the course of his career, and he has played in the NFL for now, one, two, three, Five, six, ten years. And he's been sacked 427 times. His rookie year, he was sacked 33 times. 2013, 
44, 2014, 42, 2015, 45, 2016, 41, 2017, 43, 2018, 51, 2019, 48, 2020, 47, 2021, where he missed three games, just 33. Russell Wilson could have God as an offensive lineman for him. He's going to get sacked a lot. The reason is because he likes to extend plays so that he can make big plays. In fact, he's addicted to big plays. So I know a lot of people will point at the lack of investment that the Seahawks made in the offensive line as one of the reasons that maybe they have found themselves like in the playoff game against the Green Bay Packers in the 2019-2020 season. Russell Wilson getting sacked on a third down was essentially what decided the game and Seattle punting on the next play and not being able to stop Aaron Rodgers on back-to-back third and longs. You might be thinking, well, okay, that they invest in the offensive line, things would be a little bit better. But if Russell Wilson isn't going to help out whoever is his offensive lineman, then how much could that tackle really realistically make difference-wise? I mean, they traded for Dwayne Brown, right? Dwayne Brown's a pretty damn good offensive lineman. All Texans fans would agree with that assessment, even if they maybe don't like him. The sack numbers didn't change. You could invest in offensive line play around Russell Wilson, but given his height, the fact that he likes to extend plays so that he can make the big ones. And also because I feel like he's not great at seeing things that are a little bit in front of him because of the big offensive lineman in front of him. That's just something that's always going to happen. He will always be sacked 40 plus times over the course of a season. So I do think it's kind of funny that the Seahawks selected Charles Cross with that ninth overall pick. And I really do hope that it was to spite him. And why wouldn't you want to spite Russell Wilson right now if you're a Seahawks fan? The guy lied to all of us, claiming he wanted to be with Seattle for the rest of his career, and yet he orchestrated a trade out and then is lying about it after the fact. I understand that some of us feel that it's perhaps more noble to not make things messy publicly. But Russell Wilson did this in a devious way, and if the Seahawks had their wishes they would have Russell Wilson under center this coming season and would just hope that he would be healthy for the whole year and wouldn't be busting his finger on Aaron Donald throughout the season. When you watch this press conference with Russell Wilson after day one of the voluntary veteran minicamp, I feel like you're going to take a look at Russell Wilson and you're going to think to yourself, you know what? Yeah. I think it's funny that the Seahawks decided to draft an offensive lineman now. Here is Russell Wilson at his press conference on the 25th, which, if I'm not mistaken, was Monday. Let's play the clip. To be able to come here, um, a new place. Hang on a second. Of course, the audio is not set up correctly. That is what happens when you don't double-check things before you start them. Let's start it again. Where are we at? 626 into the press conference. This sounds like awful radio. Here we go again. Now we're loading the play, the the clip. Colt Take Jim asks, so this year we should expect another 40-plus sack season? Yes, with the Broncos, with anybody. This is a guy who just consistently gets sacked. And now we got to refresh the fucking piece of shit clip. God damn it. That's fucking annoying. Here, here since we've gotten here. Back out here. We got the 
audio ready to go? Is it going to actually play? Am I going to decide to kick my computer to death after this uh, goes down? One more time, here's Russell Wilson at his press conference. And one more time, it's not actually playing. Are you fucking kidding me? Let's go, come on! Should we just play elevator music in the background? Should I murmur elevator music in the background? I'm going to play Microsoft Edge for this problem. Hmm. One more time. We'll do it live. Fuck it. I agree, Cold Take Jim. I feel like Bill O'Reilly right now. Maybe I need a producer or something. This is ridiculous. Jesus. Okay. One more time. Let's do it again. It's been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable. Yes, it has been, Russell Wilson. One more time. Let's actually do your job. On the way. And so to be able to come here, um, a new place, a uh, new journey. Obviously, I was drafted here, um, you know, by the Colorado Rockies way back in the day. And so there's a, there's a deep um, love for this city um, for me just off the initial uh, experience of that. Did he seriously, in that press conference, brag about being drafted by the Colorado Rockies? acting as if this gives him a deeper connection with the city of Denver. Jesus Christ. Let's go a little bit further as we play Russell Wilson Press Conference Theater 3000, or specifically 2022. Look, I, I understand that the guy is a man of faith, but this entire sequence is just a smorgasbord of live, laugh, love memorabilia strewn out throughout the house of a suburban Karen. Are we really doing this again? Are we really doing this again? Oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump off a cliff. This is one of the worst days in the history of Microsoft Edge. You know, you would think that maybe when the screen is maximized that you would be able to... I don't know, play the audio as is, but nope. Every single time you fast forward, I got to refresh it and load it again. All right, we're doing it live for the fifth time. This is great, great twitching. Let's go. Hey, Russell Wilson. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about, you know, about being a Bronco. Uh, it's such a blessing um, to wear this, this, this jersey. Um, every day you get to step on this field. Um, you realize that it's a, truly a blessing, you know, and that you want to take advantage of every day. So, wait, is it truly a blessing, Russ? Is it? Let's go back. My attitude, and I think that at the end of the day, when you go into, uh, you know, you, no matter how tall, how small, how whatever you are, um, I think you have an opportunity to. Once you get the opportunity, all I, all I ever said is, I just need one person to give me a chance, one team. And I think that at the end of the day, um, going into it, Seattle gave me that amazing chance, and now Denver's giving me this amazing chance to to step up and play. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited, about, you know, about being a Bronco. Uh, it's such a blessing um, to wear this, this, this jersey. Um, every day you get to step on this field, um, you realize that it's a, truly a blessing, you know, and that you want to take advantage of every day. So what I would say to any, any young... Good God. Live, laugh, love. Blessed. So blessed. I am the most blessed. And to make uh, this... Shit-eating grin sandwich of a press conference come to a alarmingly cheesy, yet on-brand cheesy conclusion. Let's... 
go to see what Russell Wilson and Nicolas Cage now have in common. Thank you, guys. Let's ride. So, Russell Wilson has ditched the Go Hawks for Let's Ride. And I'm just wondering, how long did Russell Wilson's court, his team, take to think that one up? Let's ride. Good God. All the puke emojis. All the puke. Because think about it. He's a member of the Denver Broncos. The Broncos, in case you didn't know it, are horses. Although you could also argue that a Bronco is a truck once used by a former NFL running back to attempt to escape police officers, but the car didn't go fast enough and it just turned into a car aimlessly driving forward with about 30 to 40 cop cars behind him. Emily responds, he is so cringe sometimes, most of the time. How about all of the time? And the worst part about it was when I was working at the Seahawks flagship station, I never felt pressure to consistently glad handle Russ. But when you're talking about the star quarterback of a team, you always got to be careful with the way that you describe things. And it's not like Russell Wilson's a bad guy by any means. And I always want people to know that. I don't think Russ is a bad guy at all. I just think he's not, uh, I think he's disingenuous. I think he's fake. Nothing wrong with being fake. That doesn't hurt anybody. I just hate all the people that fall hook, line, and sinker for it and don't question it. I mean, the guy orchestrated a trade out of town and was talking about like how he wants to stay in Seattle for the rest of his life. And then he shifts over to Denver talking about how, yeah, you know, I was drafted by the Colorado Rockies back in the day. Stone GM 206 asks, is Ciara going to like Denver? It seems like it's more of a single women's place. I've heard great things about Denver. I haven't been since I was eight years old. I have heard it called Menver. It seems like there is a rather large percentage of people in Denver who are dudes. Let's look this up. Menver, meaning... Uh, Menver is a nickname given to Denver by its collection of dashingly handsome, hilarious, and exciting population of Midwestern men who don't dig the extremes of Denver ladies. This is the name primarily used when referring to the city's well-defined choice of four district distinct types of women, which include the one tattooed from head to toe only dates, rockabilly tattooed, slick back hair type. Oh, this is on UrbanDictionary.com. Two, the pressy shoe betch with a set of calipers aimed armed at measuring the thickness of your wallet in the first minute of saying hello. Three, the classic Cap Hill dance pants and Chuck Taylors but couldn't make eye contact if she had to type. Four, the kind that wouldn't notice you walking down the street with a pink suit, green plume in the hat on your head, and no pants on. Uh, Crimster put this definition in for member on urbandictionary.com and i think that the man who posted this on february 8th of 2009 needed to get laid sounds like he wasn't having a whole lot of tr- uh, uh fun on that front uh menver a nickname for the city of denver because of the belief that men outnumber women outnumber women uh i can't read all of a sudden drastically there you go 
So everybody, now you know the definition of Menver and why it is that way. What else do we have before we hit the road in the NFL draft? The Cardinals are trying to appease Kyler Murray, training for Hollywood Brown. He played with Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. They give up a first-round pick to do it. Pick number 25 and pick 100, a third-round pick to do it. I don't get this trade on either end. First off, the Ravens need all the help that they can give to Lamar Jackson, and even if you have questions about Hollywood Brown, who had a lot of drops last year, this guy still was the first Ravens 1,000-yard receiver in like five fucking years. Mike Wallace was the last one. Yeah, that Mike Wallace. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Could be wrong on that front. Let's actually look that up. Is Mike Wallace... Is Mike Wallace still in, still alive? Jesus. In the NFL. Oh, they must be thinking about the CBS anchor. He ultimately finished out his NFL career by playing two seasons with the Baltimore Ravens and one final season with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2018. Damn, he's been out of the league that long. Uh, he's been retired, too. Wow, that's surprising. Um, you would want to give Lamar Jackson all the weaponry you can. And I get giving Kyler Murray more weaponry, giving Kyler Murray Hollywood Brown, though. I don't think it does a whole lot for the Q factor. Hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be healthy for a full season for them next year. And I feel like he's going to need to practice a little bit more. He doesn't practice a whole lot. That was something that happened in Houston as well. And maybe all of a sudden, because of that lack of practice, things get a little tighter than they should be. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a doctor. But they have Rondale Moore. They have Hollywood Brown. So they got all sorts of tiny little receivers and guys who can potentially get open in short space in addition to Hopkins. But does this... Does this make them that better? Is this worth two first uh, two draft picks? I don't know about that. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out, but I, I'm not expecting a whole lot. I am excited for tonight, round um, round two and three of the NFL draft. I was going to talk about it, but since this podcast, a lot of y'all probably won't be listening to it until, I would say, Saturday at earliest, then I'm not going to make any big predictions, but I am curious to see... If, if the Texans, who have picked 37, 68, and 80, and the Seahawks, who have picked 40, 41, and 72, if any of them think about a quarterback, given that quarterbacks, at least as of right now, 3.34 p.m. on this Friday, uh, April 29th of 2022, Desmond Ritter's available, Malik Willis is available. Is someone going to pull the trigger on one of those two? Maybe. Anyway, appreciate y'all for tuning in for today's edition of the Galant Says Podcast. Sorry we didn't have any podcasts this week. Again, trying to do adult stuff, juggling all this shit at the same time. It is hard, but I will do better next week. So long. Farewell. If you haven't already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and like the Gallant Says Show on Twitch. Follow. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you very much, Emily. I will have a great weekend. Peace.